Good morning. Welcome. My name is Clint. I'm the associate pastor here at Community Life, and we're so excited. We're so thankful that you would come, brave the elements, join us. Uh, if you're an old Florida boy like me, this is as close to the snow as I want to get. So again, thank you for, uh, for coming out in this crazy weather. If you're joining us online, welcome, welcome, welcome. We hope you are warm and well and, uh, and well-rested after a crazy uh, holiday weekend. Uh, this morning, we are continuing our series called Beyond Me. Uh, as we look at stories of people throughout scripture who have just living their faith out beyond themselves and the impact that that has had. As we think through this, uh, the past several weeks, we heard from uh, two weeks ago, uh, Reba and Jesse Lothar, who are some of our missionary friends who were in Japan as they prayed the Lord's Prayer in Japanese. And then last year, I mean, last week rather, uh, had one of our friends from Nicaragua, Jorge, on the stage with us, uh, praying the Lord's Prayer as well. And today, I would like for you guys uh, to check out a video that we have from two of our friends uh, from Mahenia, Zimbabwe, uh, the end of the world, way out in a tiny speck, uh, but they are not forgotten, who are going to sing part of the Lord's Prayer for us uh, this morning to get started. And then I will pray, and then we will jump right into worship. So will you stand and join me as we watch Moses and Blessing sing part of the Lord's Prayer together? Check out this video. Our, our Father, who art in heaven, our Lord be thy name, thy kingdom come. For thy in the kingdom, the power in the glory, forever and ever. Father God, we're so grateful uh, for our brothers. God, thank you so much for Moses and for blessing. God, the church that you're working through in Mahenia, Zimbabwe. God, the lives that are being changed and touched down there. We thank you for being the God who transcends uh, the, the, the oceans and in uh, all the space between that is present to us here now and that is present at their church as well today. God, thank you so much for the people who have gathered here who are watching online. God, and help during this time, help us to be able to focus our, our minds and our hearts, our attention, our affections on who you are and how you're alive and active in this world around us. We give you this time and we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, well, good morning, church. We are so excited to worship with y'all. Y'all ready to lift some praise to the Lord this morning? Yeah. 
fought for me You have been so, so good to me When I felt no
Thank you so much for loving us the way that you do. We just open up our hearts and we just give you back this time today. Move in us and through us this morning.
drawn to redemption by the grace in his eyes and if grace is an ocean we're all sinking and heaven meets earth like an unforeseen kiss my heart turns violently inside of my chest I don't have the time to
lloraré Milagroso abres camino Cumples promesas Luz en tinieblas Mi Dios Así eres tú Milagroso abres camino Cumples promesas Luz en tinieblas Mi Dios Así eres tú You are here Touching every heart I worship you I worship you Sing it with us You are here Healing every life I worship you I worship you
praise this morning. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. Lord, you are the way, the truth, the life. You live, you're alive inside of us this morning, and you do make a way, but it's through your light. Lord, you, as, as we draw close to you, you make light in the darkness. We represent that light. When we go out into the world, we become the light. We are the light to the world. And it's because of Jesus, you living inside of us. So we thank you, Father. We thank you for who you are. We thank you. We still believe in miracles for anyone here this morning that needs a miracle in their life. We still claim you as a miracle worker. We believe that. And we just agree together. Um, God, thank you for your presence moving in this place this morning. As Pastor Scott comes to deliver the word, um, we open up our hearts. God, we just open up our minds to receive whatever it is that you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said amen. Thank you so much for singing and worshiping and even in Spanish this morning. Good job, everybody. You can be seated. Actually, before you're seated, turn around, find a neighbor, give them a big CLC welcome, and then you may be seated. If you're watching online, we'll be right back. We're glad to have you. everybody's doing good this morning. I want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today at Community Life Church on this um, not so pretty Sunday morning. It's pretty. I like the rain, but it's, it's probably a good day to stay home and let the, and that's what a lot of people are doing online today, right? Uh-huh, we got you. Um, extra Jesus dollars for those of you who showed up today um, in, in person, but thank you for being here today. My name is Scott Verno, and I'm the lead pastor here at Community Life, and it's an honor to have you here in our family room or to have you joining us online. At Community Life, we love God, we love our neighbor, and we believe that our mission is to connect people to Jesus because we believe that Jesus is the source of life. And our hope is that when you discover that source of life, that you'll share it with every single person you encounter. And if there's anything we can do to help stand alongside you, um, we would love to be able to do that. And we'd consider it part of our mission. So um, 
I uh, love seeing all the faces on the, on the little bumper video of some of the different mission work that we're a part of, and uh, we've been in a series called Beyond Me, and uh, the way we've started the services have been different over these last few weeks, and um, you're going to get to see a little bit more information in a second, but let me share with you a couple announcements, and then we'll, we'll jump into, the, into our final um, Sunday in the Beyond Me series. So um, we have a service coming up. It's called the Angel of Hope Service on December 6th at 7 p.m., and this service is for families that have lost children, whether it's children of any age, whether it's through miscarriage or older, uh, just to give you a moment to gather together with other believers that maybe have walked through the same thing. Uh, we're going to meet out in the labyrinth, if weather permitting, or we're going to find another venue here on, on the campus. And um, that's going to start at 7. We'll have a time of worship. Um, Pastor Addie's going to teach a message. Uh, then we're going to have a little candlelight service, and then we're going to take flowers, and we're going to lay them out near the statue, just in remembrance of, of those that we've lost. And it just really gives us an opportunity to gather our hearts together and, and find people who are walking through that grief and, and really to just experience some hope. And so I encourage you to be a part of that service if that's a way that God can connect you. And then um, we start a new series next week called Make Room. And I was thinking about all the different ways that we make room in life. If you survived Thanksgiving and you're here, maybe you barely survived, but you survived Thanksgiving, we all make room. Like we might have made room to, for a person to sit next to us at the table. Um, I am currently making room to put away all of the Thanksgiving decorations. Anybody else have to do that? And, and a lot of times that's pull out the Christmas stuff, jam the Thanksgiving stuff up there, and then just make it, hopefully it'll all fit at some point. I like to move it closer to the dumpster every year. Somehow it seems to make its way back around and, it, and there's always more of it. But we make room for all sorts of things in life, and we forget going into the holiday season to make room for Jesus, to make room for Christ. And so we hope to encourage you this year to take time to be intentional and allow God to speak into your life and prepare you for what God wants to do in your heart and your life. One of the things that Addie did this year that I think is so awesome, they created these, um, these cards. It's like the 24 days of the Advent season. And you can stick them somewhere in your house and you can go pull up day one and it encourages you how you can make room for Jesus in your life. There'll be a scripture verse on the back. You can read that. You can use it as a devotional and it'll just help you to prepare your heart. You can grab those on the way out. If you're watching online and you'd like for us to send you a, a set of these, send us an email and we'll make sure that we get those out in the mail to you. But just a, a great way to get our hearts prepared for, for what God wants to do. Okay, so we are uh, in this, this uh, series called the Beyond Me series. And what we've been doing is going through the Bible and finding stories where God invites a person to go beyond themselves, to connect to the greater story. And a lot of times in an act of obedience, the decision that that person makes changes at least that scenario. And if in some cases the world forever because they were willing to go beyond themselves. And so we've been studying these stories and asking ourselves, what can we learn from them here in our own lives in Gulf Breeze and how do they impact us? Well, one of the things that we do here at Community Life is, is we have mission work here locally, nationally, and internationally. And as you've kind of got a different flavor over this series of some of the different work we do, I want to share with you one of the missions that is most near and dear to my heart. Um, so, so Clint loves Honduras, and there's a jungle school in Honduras. He was there from the very beginning, taking care of loving those kids and watching that school grow from a single room to now taking over the whole mountainside. And so if Clint's praying, a lot of times he's praying for Honduras. If you were to ask Tammy, she's thinking of Leon, Nicaragua, um, where we're rescuing children out of a landfill and we're giving them proper education and helping them to better themselves in life so they can escape that life of poverty. Now, if you were to ask me what I think about oftentimes when I'm praying, uh, it's Zimbabwe. 
uh, a little village called Mahenya, right on the edge of Zimbabwe and Mozambique. It, it's not the end of the world, but you can see the end of the world from there. I mean, it's really, really close. And I love the people. I love the time being able to be there and been multiple times and just love, love, love. And what I want you to do is see a few pictures from some of our trips so you can know how your donations to this church really impact a village that's half a world away. And when you pray, maybe you'll think about these folks. At some point, maybe you can ride with me on top of a truck through Zimbabwe. It'll be a lot of fun. So one of the things that we do is we help provide clean drinking water. And here's an example of one of the pumps. You see it back in the back. They call that a bush pump. And when we install them, they never stop. They pump 24 hours a day, all day long. We use them for, for folks, for cattle, for every single thing that we can. But right now we have about 30 to 35 working wells that provide clean drinking water for at least 16,000 people every single day. So you guys are helping to be a part of that. I'll tell you, we have as many as 60 that are in our care. And because of COVID and, and how difficult it was to get parts, those things have fallen into disrepair. And we're standing them back up as, as quickly as we can because that first step in building block to health is clean water. And so you can see that here, they're pumping it. And you can see how they carry it around. Some of them travel many, many miles a day. Um, and they carry buckets of water on their heads. And you could see I would not survive long in Zimbabwe. Uh, that was me attempting to do that, and it just didn't work out well. They got a real good kick out of me um, attempting it. Anyways, they carry it on their head. They carry it in their hands. They push a wheelbarrow. They can do it all at the same time. So water is one of the things. The other thing that we work with are some of the schools that are there. And this is a, a little exercise that I like to say, find Clint. And if you look for Clint, he's somewhere right there. Just lost in the sea of children. I love it. Uh, when we're there during the school season, we get a chance to go by and see all of the students and, and um, their roles in the school. Uh, there are multiple things we do for the schools to include providing um, composition notebooks, pencils, uh, chalk paint. They have brick walls, no roofs, but brick walls, and they'll paint the walls with this chalk paint so they can use them um, to, to do math and, and English or whatever, Shangan or, or Shona, whatever language that they're learning. And uh, we also, years ago, Vacation Bible School here raised thousands of dollars, and 2,000 of those dollars were sent to build desks for the students because they were just sitting on the floor. And so because of your children stealing change or taking change out of your couches and your cars, um, there are students in Zimbabwe that now have desks that they can learn from. And, and we also provide water for them and just all sorts of fun things. So that's one example. This next picture, this is one of my favorite ladies on the planet. Her name is Kiasi Mashava. Uh, she is a survivor. And if you ever find yourself having a bad day, think about Kiasi, because I promise she's had to experience far worse than anything you could ever imagine. Kiasi is a survivor, though. She has survived leprosy. She no longer has fingers and toes, but she still figures out how to navigate through life. Um, the way that she came to us, or the way that we came to know her, and, and Duke, you may have to clean this story up for me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna preach or tell a story. But um, we heard about this lady, <clears throat> who um, was, we had to rescue her because she was defending herself against an elephant. So elephants, they cross the Zambezi River and they will come in and these, these folks, they have no sustenance, so they'll grow gardens in their yards. And um, these elephants will eat your entire garden in less than 30 seconds. Well, Kiasi, she's a survivor. She wasn't going down like that. So she had a pot and a pan and she was banging on that elephant, trying to get that elephant out of her yard. And we figured we should probably help her. So we pulled her in and um, it was $800 a private donor paid to build a little house for her. 
and $25 a month, and we provide all of the resource that she needs. We drop it off for her, and we have a few folks that we just take care of, and they are, um, when you think of life, they have had it harder than anybody else on this planet, but um, she has a heart of gratitude, and she's so incredible, and here you see uh, Vicki and Nikki just talking to her, and, and she's such a precious individual, and every time we go back, her face lights up, and, and we have fun talking with her. So that's Kiasi. The next picture is Scott at church. So this morning, it's about six hours ago, there in Mahania, they met underneath this big tree and they had church. And I'm gonna tell you, they sing, they dance. It's a full contact sport um, when they go to church. It's a lot of fun. One of the things we love to do is we hand out Bibles. And I'm telling you, we've probably handed out a thousand Bibles in the time that we were there or more than that. But here's the funny thing about this picture. On this day, we showed up and the preacher made an announcement that everyone who joins the church today gets a Bible. I'm telling you, it was the fastest growing church in all of Zimbabwe. Because imagine if you have no food and no water, you, you don't have, there's no books. You have no access to books. And so to own a Bible in your own language is the most treasured of possessions. And so on that day, we were able to bless so many. And then over the years, we just keep sending them back and doing everything we can because we want people to have the word of God in a language that they can understand. And then last but not least, there are a few things that you have to do when you go to Africa. Now brace yourself for what you're about to experience because you're gonna see the rhythm that your pastor has or the lack of rhythm that your pastor has. Because if you go to Africa, you have to ride on top of a truck. Is that right, Clint, Duke? That's right, we all ride on top of a truck at about 80 miles an hour in the rain. That's just something you have to do. Um, you have to sing and you have to dance. So you're gonna get a chance to, and you, oh, you also have to eat what they call mbudzi, which is goat. So we're at this setting, we're eating goat, there's no, they have a plate, but there's no utensils. So we're using our hands. And you'll see at the end of the video, I go to high fiver and she gives me the elbow because she ain't touching my nasty hands because they're all dirty. So um, here we go. Just prepare yourself for this video you're about to see. those dance moves. I'm about to mix it up right here. Look at that. Woo! She had never seen moves like that before. Woo! Oh, that's your pastor, y'all. Isn't that amazing? Oh, it's so scary. Clint will tell you at the end of the service, if you want a video of that, he'll send it to you. You can take it home with you and you can have fun. Uh, just, it's just incredible how, how um, you, you would seemingly think they have nothing, but they love Jesus and they are content and they're happy and they're just trying to survive. And, and that's just one example of all the different mission work that we've got going on. And if you wanna be connected, let us know and we'll figure out a way to tell you all the stories, let you see the pictures and maybe someday put you on an airplane and take you halfway around the world so that you can be a part of, of this story. So in this series of Beyond Me, um, what does it mean to go beyond ourselves? What does it mean to allow God to use our lives, our stories, our experiences for the kingdom work that God has called us to be a part of? So we've had two weeks in this series. Clint took week one, Tammy took week two, and Clint introduced us to this chapter nine in Acts where you, where you learn about the conversion story of Paul or Saul. Now, you, most of you know the story of Saul, or you know Paul, you've heard about him if you've been going to school for a while, but maybe you didn't know, or to church for a while, but maybe you didn't know how his conversion happened. 
Now, there's some confusion about Saul Paul. He's got two names. Um, God didn't change his name. He actually had two names. Saul was his Jewish name. Paul was his Greek name. And they would use them interchangeably in society. And so both of the names worked wherever they were. So according to scripture, he was Saul because he was Jewish and he was persecuting the church. And in Acts chapter 9, through a single act of obedience by a person named Ananias, we see Paul flipped from team persecutor to team Jesus. And as a result of Ananias' obedience, we now have our, a third or two-thirds of our New Testament that was written by Paul or influenced by Paul. His journeys or whatever it was, because someone was willing to go beyond themselves and to live into what God had called them to do, Ananias. And we see that conversion of Paul take place. And then last week, uh, Tammy uh, took, talked about Abraham, another great story where God reaches out to Abraham Abraham is 75 years of age. Talk about making room. You know how much stuff you can accumulate in 75 years? Well, God shows up to Abraham after 75 years and he says, I need you to go with me to a place that I will show you. Could you imagine convincing your wife that, hey, we're gonna go somewhere, but I don't know where yet. I know we're 75 and it's a long way, but God's just telling us to go. And so what does he do? He gathers up all his stuff and they journey the distance of 400 and something miles, would be, which would be the same as you trying to convince your wife that you were going to walk to Disney World today with all of your stuff. And so he does that, but check this out. Because of his faithfulness, because of his obedience, the world changed forever because it's through the lineage of Abraham that we discover Christ. And so because of his faithfulness and because of his willingness to live into what God asked him to do, we have that promise and we're able to hold on to it today. And our scripture, our theology has been shaped because of the story of Abraham. So those are two stories that we looked at. What does it look like today to go beyond me? Now, I made a decision to do something completely different. I'm gonna choose Acts chapter 18, and I wanna tell you the story of what's going on in the early church. Now, the book of Acts is really an account of what the early church looked like, how it grew, um, all of the movements of the people that were engaged in that early church growing. And so by jumping in the middle of the story, it is exactly what that sounds like. We're going to jump into the middle of the story in Acts chapter 18, and we're not going to experience one person that goes beyond themselves. We're going to experience nine plus people that are doing everything they can to make sure that the name of Jesus is known. So just like every good sermon, this one starts with a map. So here we go. Um, on the screen, you'll see this map, and this is to set you up for our chapter in chapter 18 which covers a part of Paul's second missionary journey. So Paul sets out, goes across the known world at this time, ministers to all of these churches, and then he gets over here and he has a vision and he pops over to Philippi. Now you're gonna, you're gonna recognize some of these names because you know the letters in the Bible. So you've heard of Philippians, he writes a letter to Philippi. Then he bounces over here to Thessalonica, you've heard of Thessalonians. And then he comes down here to Berea and he makes his way to Athens. Our story picks up when he comes over here to Corinth, and you've heard of Corinthians. Well, halfway through our scripture we're going to look at, he leaves Corinth, or, and he heads on over to Ephesus. You've heard of Ephesians, and then he makes his way back to Caesarea, or to what they call this area of Syria, which is that whole entire area. And so all of this way, Luke is documenting these travels. Now, why do I tell you, to tell you about them? Because for Luke, Luke is going from city to city to city, and he's telling these people about Jesus. 
And he's basically, I don't want to say he's starting riots for Jesus, but that's kind of what he's doing. Because he goes into the synagogues and he starts talking about Jesus. And those Jewish synagogue leaders, they get frustrated and they kick him out. And a lot of times they'll bring him to court. They'll throw him into jail. They do all of these things. And so as Paul started to build a team, he found that he had different personalities that could walk alongside him to help him in this journey. And we're going to talk about some of those folks today. So that kind of gives you the lay of the land for um, where we're going to be traveling today. And now I encourage you, if you have your Bibles and you'd like to follow along, Acts chapter 18, and we're just going to read and talk about it. And here's what I want you to think about. All of the names of these people who went beyond themselves so that today we could be talking about this gospel message. Acts chapter 18, verse 1. It says, after this, Berea, Athens, all those things we just talked about, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius, the emperor, had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. And so the Jews were causing all sorts of civil unrest as they were battling back and forth. And he just decided, I don't want any of you left in Rome. So he kicked them all out. And that was in 49 AD. So all the Jews had to flee Rome. And so some of them landed here in Corinth. It says, Paul went to see them, that's Priscilla and Aquila, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and they worked together. By trade, they were tent makers. Every Sabbath, he would argue in the synagogue and would try to convince Jews and Greeks. And so here we are in the very first four verses, and we already have been introduced to three names. So you know Paul, we've talked about Paul extensively, but now you meet Priscilla and Aquila. We know a little bit about them, and you have to kind of fill in the gaps. That's what biblical scholars do. They make stuff up to fill in the gaps. They're educated guesses, but we're trying to figure it out. So we find out that, that Aquila is from Pontus, which is over near Tarsus. He's a tent maker. They share that same trade. And so therefore, they believe that somewhere they must have been connected through a tent maker's guild. And so they possibly knew each other. So when he got to Corinth, found out they were there, and went and asked if he could stay there and maybe stayed at their house. Now, more than likely, they were just Jewish believers and not necessarily Christians. Paul wouldn't have allowed that to go on for very long. He told them about Jesus, and for some reason, they chose to believe in Jesus, and now they're on Team Jesus. Now, tent makers, we think camping tents, right? I'm going to go buy a tent. Maybe that's a Paul made. No, no, no. Uh, in this world, everybody was very transient, and so you would have to pack up your tents and move. They were homes. These people weren't just making tents. They were artisans. They were making homes. So this was a trade that was um, very skillful. So everywhere they went, they could find people that were in that same trade, and they could find work. And this is how Paul oftentimes paid for himself to accomplish the ministry that he was accomplishing. So we have now Priscilla, Paul, Aquila, all working together to establish the church in Corinth. Now let's move on. Verse 5, when Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with proclaiming the word. One thing I told you about Paul, if he has a chance, he's going to proclaim the word. And so by the time they show up, they were fixing some messes that he had made in Berea. They now show up. Paul is already out proclaiming the word. And listen to the controversy he's creating. It says he was testifying to the Jews that the Messiah was Jesus. When they opposed and reviled him in protest... He shook the dust from his clothes and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Now, something interesting happens here. So Silas and Timothy, they travel along with Luke wherever he goes. And whenever he stirs the pot, they are the ones that are more pastoral. 
So they'll send him on ahead to go continue to do the work and then they'll stay in the communities and they'll organize and they'll love and they'll take care of and try and right-size the churches to where the ministry can continue on. If you back up into Acts chapter 17, that's exactly what Silas and Timothy were doing. They stayed in Berea and they were helping to organize the work that Paul had started. So by the time they catch up to Paul, he's already in Corinth setting things on fire. And they're like, oh, here we go again. And so they have to dive in and pull alongside him. But we get those two names of people who are going beyond themselves in ministry. Uh, the Jewish people did not want to hear the gospel message. So they started to revile him. And what does he do? He turns it back around on them. Do you remember when Pilate washed his hands? Remember that? This is exactly what he does to the Jews that are there. He says, your blood, the, the blood was now resting on your head. This is on you, that you are, you are refusing Christ. And so he uses Deuteronomy, um, a text in Deuteronomy against them. Now, Paul is now, um, we're going to find out he's leaving the synagogue in verse 7, but not for long. It says, then he left the synagogue and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. Now you may say, what does this guy have to offer? His house was next door to the synagogue. So Paul left the synagogue, but guess where he went? One house over. It was perfect. So this guy that we're learning his name now, Titius, he doesn't have a whole lot to offer, but he does have a house that's strategically located so Paul can continue to do the ministry. Could you imagine being the, the, the Jewish official in the synagogue and you finally get this dude out of there and he sets up shop right next door? That'd have been the most frustrating thing on the planet. And so that's where they continue on in the church of Corinth. But wait, there's more. Verse eight, it says, um, Crispus, the official of the synagogue. So now we're gonna find out about the official of the synagogue. He must've been really mad. Nope, he becomes a believer of the Lord together with his whole household and many of the Corinthians who, um, who heard Paul and became believers and were baptized. So Paul and the church, they flip Crispus, who is the official in the synagogue. So not only did they lose Paul, they lost the synagogue official, right? So, I mean, these guys in this church, these guys and these gals, it's the great outpouring of the Spirit. And I want you to think about how they're going every single day and they're preaching and they're proclaiming and they're loving and they're caring for people. And the gospel message is starting to spread all throughout Corinth. Now, verses nine all the way down, God shows up to Paul in a vision to prepare him for what's gonna happen next. It says, one night the Lord said to Paul in a vision, do not be afraid, but speak and do not be silent. For I am with you and no one will lay a hand on you to harm you. For there are many in this city who are my people. He stayed there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. So we find out that's about how long he stayed there in Corinth, if you want to go back and see the foundation of the church. Now, 12 all the way down through 17. This is a great story. This is um, one of the examples of what happens when the town finally gets tired of Paul. But the outcome is different than what you would expect. But when Galeo was proconsul in Ahia. So Galeo, that would have been one of the, the Roman leaders there in the community, um, takes over and maybe the Jews found out that he was there and thought that he would be a little bit more favorable to him. They finally wanna deal with this Paul and so they call him into a tribunal. It says the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal. They said, quote, this man is persuading people to worship God in ways that are contrary to the law. Just as Paul was about to speak, Galeo said to the Jews, if it were a matter of crime or serious villainy, I would be justified in accepting the complaint of you Jews. But since it is a matter of question about words and names and your own law, see to it yourselves. 
I do not wish to be a judge of these matters. Verse 16, and he dismissed them from the tribunal. Now, if you were Paul, you'd be like, wait, what? I've been vindicated? Because normally he'd be thrown in jail or he would be flogged or he'd be beaten to within an inch of his life. But this time they actually chose not to do anything to him. But something does happen. And I want to tell you about this because it's interesting, the history that unfolds from it. Verse 17, then all of them, and I've got to come back and qualify this, seized Sothenes. Now you may say, who's Sothenes? We're going to find out. The official of the synagogue. So Sothenes was brought in to replace Crispus, who flipped over to team Jesus. He's the new Jewish person that's trying to represent God to these folks. They seized him and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Galileo, or Galileo paid no attention to any of these things. Now, back to that little phrase, all of them. Now, it'd be easy to read this and think all of the Christians finally decided they were going to take it out on somebody else. And so they seized him and they beat him up. But we know from history, this is not the message that they were preaching. So there has to be someone else that did this. And what you find out is that in the translation, it means the Greeks and more than likely the guards of the proconsul wanted to make um, an example of Sothenes so that none of the other Jews tried to bring this thing to trial anymore. And so they beat him up. Now, here's the interesting thing about this story. Because you're like, oh, poor guy. By the time Paul writes 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1, he addresses it to the believer in Christ named Sothenes. So somewhere between getting beat up and the time that Paul writes that letter, this guy flips over to team Jesus. Maybe he was tired of beating up. I don't know. know. Maybe it was time for him to... So we have another name to add to the list of people that were going beyond themselves to help grow this church in Corinth. All right, now verses 18 down through 23. This is kind of the movement of the story. Uh, They traveled over these long distances by by sailboat. Um, And so you got to kind of know what's going on. But here's the thing I want you to key on. We're about to cross the Aegean Sea and um, and you're going to set up a church in Ephesus. You've heard of Ephesus. So listen to how they set that church up. It says, after staying there for a considerable time, Paul said farewell to the believers and sailed for Syria. That was the end result of the trip. Accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. So he takes two of the folks with him, along with him. At Centuria, he had his hair... Oh, this is a crazy verse. At Centuria, he had his hair cut for he was under a vow. Nobody knows what that means. For some reason, and they don't even know if it's associated with Aquila or Paul, but here's what you need to know. Somebody made a vow, somebody got their hair cut. That's all we know. At some point, we'll turn that into something meaningful, but right now, we're gonna skip it. So here we go. Verse 19. When they reached Ephesus... He left them there. So Priscilla and Aquila, his intention is to leave them there to help start the church. But first, because Paul couldn't help himself, he himself went into the synagogue and had a discussion with the Jews. When they asked him to stay longer, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. Then he set sail from Ephesus. So there was an intrigue in in the synagogues, unlike some of the others, where they wanted to hear more about this Jesus. And so he left Priscilla and Aquila there to go ahead and start founding this church. 21 and 22 and 23 lets you know about um, what Paul does in the meantime. It says, when he had launched from... When he had landed at Caesarea, he went up to Jerusalem and greeted the church. And then he went down to Antioch. Antioch is to the north, but Jerusalem's on a mountain. So he went down to Antioch. After spending some time there, he departed and went from place to place through the region of Galatia, Phrygia, strengthening all of the disciples. And so Paul goes back to report to Jerusalem. And now he's making his way back to Ephesus by land. 
Meanwhile, in Ephesus, you're going to hear about our folks that are still working. It says, now there came to Ephesus a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria. He was an eloquent man, well-versed in scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with burning enthusiasm and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. But this is an important distinction. Though he, he knew only the baptism of John. So something about Apollos, he was missing a, a certain part of his theology. He knew the baptism of repentance from John, but he didn't have the rest of the story, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that understanding of salvation. So listen to what Priscilla and Aquila do, and this is so important for us to hear today. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained the way of God to him more accurately. This verse is so powerful, and it screams to us that no matter how good you are at something, how gifted you are at something, you need to always make room in your life for somebody to speak into you, to help you to course correct, to hear, to find better instruction. And that's exactly what Priscilla and Aquila do to Apollos. They teach him the things of God, about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 27, it says, And when he wished to cross over to Ahai, which is to go back to Corinth, the believers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. On his arrival, he greatly helped those who through grace had become believers, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Messiah is Jesus. And, 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 just, and since we're done with the chapter, let me tell you another thing that you can maybe consider about, about Apollos. Apollos is from Alexandria. And during that town, a time in all of antiquity, Alexandria is one of the most educated cities on the planet. They have books like you couldn't possibly imagine, and people had access to them. So, so the, the ability to learn and grow and understand the language goes far beyond most of the rest of the world at the time. And so we have this letter in our Bible called Hebrews, and nobody knows who wrote it. We have no proof. The person didn't sign it. But the Greek is such high Greek, and it's such, it, it, I can't even say a good grammatical sentence. The grammar is so good, I don't know, that's my lack of grammar, I would not be from Alexandria, that they don't know who to attribute it to, but it could have been Apollos who writes it because of his understanding of Scripture and how he put all those things together. So let me just tell you, here at the end of reading chapter 18, basically what I've done to you is drug you into a movie 20 minutes late. You ever head to a movie and you know you're late and you're like, I don't want to miss the beginning, right? That's when all the stuff happens. That's when the character development happens and you walk in and you have no idea what's going on. Well, here we find all of these people who are living life and they are driven by this incredible heart to make Jesus known to the world. But what I want you to know is that these are normal everyday people who are trying to survive and what they do is they bring themselves and their talents and their abilities and whatever they have to bear to help expand the kingdom and expand the, the, the knowledge of who Jesus is. And so if you go down the list, you have Paul, Priscilla, Aquila, Timothy, Silas, Titius, Crispus, Sothenes, Apollos. Luke was there as the writer. These guys are teachers, they're writers. Some of them own homes, they're tent makers. Some of them had influence, but they gave up that influence to follow Jesus. And so they became leaders and volunteers to help support Paul. Some of them paid for journeys. They used whatever they had to bring to bear to help Paul spread this gospel. All of these people were willing to go beyond themselves so that Jesus would be made known. And here's what I want you to hear. During their time, they didn't know it, but their story 
was being written. And here we read about it in Acts chapter 18. And what I want you to know is that in your life, your story is being written. You have a story and you have a chapter inside this greater story. And I'm gonna push you one step further. Do something you don't normally do in church. Look around. Look at the people beside you. And if you're so bold, give them a fist bump, right? Like I know that's scary to even look or consider that there's someone else here beside you, but give them a little fist bump because I want you to know that person that's sitting beside you, they have a chapter in this greater story as well. And you sitting beside them might mean that God takes and connects your stories and uses you to do something that God has been wanting to do for a long time. Here's what I want you to hear. What happens when we understand our place in the greater story? What happens when we decide that every single individual that walks the face of this earth matters to God? What happens when we realize that every hurt, every broken heart, every bit of education, all of the resource, every person that we've ever encountered, all of those things matter to God. And if we will allow God to, he will take every bit of that, redeem it if he needs to, but he will use it so that this world will know Jesus. That's what it means to go beyond me. And when you choose to go beyond you, no longer is your life just the sum total of your days. It becomes the sum totals of your days plus God, plus the story that was written before. And God takes and adds your story to this greater story as a way to make sure that the gospel makes it through Gulf Breeze and on into whatever God is doing next. To go beyond me means to see beyond me. To go beyond me means to have trust beyond me. And to go beyond me means to literally go beyond me. And my hope in this message wasn't to teach you some deep theological truth. It's to maybe invite you into looking at life different, to considering every single conversation that you have differently. Maybe you work in a secular place in, in, in this world. Well, I want you to know a conversation that you have with a person tomorrow might provide the keys to the kingdom to open up a reach that goes far beyond anything that we could ever imagine, but God has ordained that meeting. What if we started thinking that way? What if we started to look at our life and see all those broken pieces and say, God, I hate these things, but if you can do something with them, here they are. And God takes those messes, you've heard this before, and he turns them into messages. God can do that. He's done it through Celebrate Recovery time and time and time again, that God takes all of that brokenness, he'll redeem it, and he uses it so that Jesus can be made known. That's what it means to go beyond me. Maybe you'll never set foot in Africa, but I'm gonna tell you, you may set foot in your house and you may minister to the person that's down the hall and it may be the greatest ministry of your life. The child you raise sometimes is, more, is, is the most important thing that you'll ever do. The people that they reach and the places that they go. And here's where it all begins. It all begins with Jesus. These people in this story believed that making the name of Jesus known was the most important thing that they could ever possibly do. And I want you to know that today, the opportunity of opening up your heart and believing in Jesus is present to you. That if you choose to believe in Jesus, you will connect your heart to this greater story and God will take and bring you and do just great, amazing things. Amen? And so my hope is that everyone would choose to believe and that we would all find our place in this greater story. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we love you. God, and I thank you for each and every individual that's in this room and all of those that are connected online. And, and here's my statement, Lord, everyone matters. 
And I pray that not one single hurt, not one single bit of brokenness would ever be wasted, but God, that your spirit would use all of those moments to redeem hearts, to change lives, and to bring about the fullness of, of who you are. And God, for those people today that maybe have not given their hearts and their lives to you, I pray that that door would be open, that they would receive, not fully understanding, but take a step in that direction of believing and having faith that there is a God that loved them and Jesus was that full expression of God showing up here in the flesh and giving himself for us. And today we choose to believe. God, we love you. We trust you. And it's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now I invite you, if you will, to stand. And um, we're gonna sing this final song and I encourage you to allow the words to speak to your heart. Uh, maybe sing along with us. Addie is down front on this side. I'll be on this side. We would love to pray with you. And um, if you just wanna come down and spend some time at the altar, you're welcome to do that as well. But thank you for your time today.
something to warm you up and and perhaps if that's passed you by just the sight of seeing your pastor dance warms your heart and your spirits a little bit that's, that's my hope if you're new here uh, we'd love to connect with you right out in the lobby in our next steps room uh, come come connect with us we'd love to show you how you can get uh, plugged in to all the ministries uh, and the missions going on around here thank you so much for being in the church that lives out your faith so beautifully in this community and around the world before we, uh, before we leave, I would like to let you know when the roads are wet, uh, the deputies are not allowed to stop traffic on 98. So if you would like to take a few extra minutes and head down Soundside, it's beautiful drive. You can drive to uh, Nantahala, get out at the red light, and you may be a little safer. Uh, just take a few more moments, uh, get home safely. But before we leave, let's pray. God, we're so grateful for this gathering. God, it's time when you come together, read scripture, find out how it impacts our life and that we have a part to play, that your story is still being written and that you've invited each of us to be a part. I was so thankful for, uh, for the church that's meeting here, that's online, that's in Zimbabwe and Belize and Nicaragua and Honduras and Japan and all places in between. God, that you have truly called us to something greater than ourselves. We're so flattered and humbled and blessed to be a part of that. God, as we leave this place, help us to remember that it's the work that we do that changes and impacts through your spirit. And so we're gonna follow you and we're gonna lead them and we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. We love y'all, have a great week. Jesus, worthy.